You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. It's uh, time for David's Pick, and um, we're going to have a very special guest on today, Lieutenant Colonel William T. White, retired, and uh, uh, Whitey's been on once or twice before, but he always it's a, always an interesting story. But before we get going, we're going to do our normal thing on David's Pick, and that is invite you to go to our website and the J. Roy Ritchie Memorial prayer line and it's uh, the veteran prayer line and it's veterans praying for veterans and so we're going to pause for just one minute and we'll be back with our guest and uh, and my normal cadence calls we'll be back in just a minute If you're a veteran or you know a veteran that is in need of prayer, just go to our website and uh, check out the J. Roy Ritchie Memorial Veteran Prayer Line and send their names in, and we'll be glad to uh, put their names on and have veterans all over the country and literally all over the world praying for them. So join us in that, and um, we know the... We know many situations that uh, prayer has worked, so we invite you to join us in uh, thinking about our veterans and anyone that's uh, really in need of prayer. But our veterans and our first responders would certainly uh, like to hear from you. So with that being said, we're going to do what I one of my favorite things. Okay, so there we go with one of our cadence calls, and uh, we always like the cadence calls, and they bring back memories for me. I don't know about for you, Whitey, but for me they do, and uh, how those cadence calls always came in handy at Fort Ord, particularly when we were doing that um, force march or double time, and uh, then either our platoon sergeant or our platoon leader would start a cadence call and we'd get a smile on the face and we'd make it that last half a mile or whatever good morning sir how are you doing hey dave doing real well uh up here in north georgia staying healthy and safe uh everything's uh nice and cool up here we're looking like we might get a little bit of snow 
Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, uh, I knew it was supposed to. We we're supposed to get some rain here in Georgia. I didn't know they were predicting a little snow up there. When I, I used to love it. I had a place up in Blue Ridge and uh, on the lake, and uh, I loved it when it would snow. So beautiful and so peaceful and quiet. And it seems like. There's an interesting thing about snow, and they talk about a blanket of snow and so forth, but it's uh, interesting in that it seems like it brings a hush and a humbleness and a and a time to reflect when it's snowing or just snowed, and, and there's a quietness in the air that's just indescribable. It's, uh, it truly is uh, a very peaceful time when you can just sit back and enjoy it. Well, I'm sure it was a peaceful and quiet time for you during your career. You have such a distinguished career. My goodness, you've, you've flown everything but a broom. And, uh, <laughs> and well, I, you know, I was very fortunate. Uh, I guess you might say it that way. Uh, when I when I commissioned into, I uh, went through. Uh, I remember the movie Officer and the Gentleman. They had uh, what was called Aviation Officer Candidate School, and I went through that course with Marine Drill Instructors down in Pensacola and then commissioned into the Navy and ended up being the uh, the last guy to get to the to the fleet in the A-6 Intruder. So I, I got to finish my, start my career in that one, but it went away, and so I had to find, uh, find another place to go. And so the Air Force was out nice enough to offer me a couple of different aircraft and ended up spending the rest of my career flying for them well it's uh you know i guess there are a lot of people that don't realize that you can quit or can switch services and uh, it, it, it it is um, difficult uh, there's a lot of paperwork that goes with it but uh, it, it is done occasionally not not something done very quickly because it does kind of hamper your career progression because there's no historical data that you know that basically follows you over but it uh it definitely is uh something that can be done um just uh, i i was more or less forced that direction if i wanted to continue flying uh, tactical aircraft so uh, i went that direction and uh you did uh, did you do eight <clears throat> tours in uh Iran, I did. I, I was in the. Uh, did a tour in the uh, in the A six Intruder on the USS Enterprise over in uh, Southwest Asia. Yeah, well, for the folks that are listening that aren't military and and aren't Air Force necessarily, the Intruder. Explain a little bit about that plane. Well, the Intruder was a um, aircraft that, that started in 1963. Uh, are flying for the Navy and the Marine Corps. It was a two-seat bomber that could carry either 28 or 30 500-pounders, depending on which service uh, was flying it. And uh, it was carrier-based so that we could deploy with it, and it served uh, in Vietnam and was it was an all-weather, day or night, attack aircraft. And it was kind of leading-edge technology in the 60s and 70s, and then we started getting upgrades as it got a little bit older, but uh, when I when I came along, it was the, the uh, E variant, and so it was kind of toward the end of its its career. And I was fortunate enough to get it about uh, five or six hundred hours in it before we had to decommission it. 
And when you say it was sort of high tech back in the early sixties, uh, is that correct? It, it is. The uh, typically uh, the Air Force and Navy Marine Corps bombing aircraft were not very precise with their uh, delivery. I mean, it was not a uh, post guided weapons that that were being used. They were basically carpet bombing, as you know, with the B fifty twos. But when the A six came along. Um, several years after it was introduced, uh, the radar had been refined so well that we could drop fairly accurately with, with just the radar, but then later versions received the uh, the laser that was in the turret underneath the nose, and then we were able to carry laser-guided weapons as well, which improved our uh, accuracy for bombing. Yeah, let me ask, and you obviously... Uh have the experience to answer and and uh, and the pay grade I might add but um, do you do you know of any country in the world well one there's no country in the world like the United States of America and our military but that goes out of its way as much as the United States does to limit at all cost or as as much as humanly possible collateral damage and try to avoid it as much as we do the uh, all the all the countries that are involved with nato typically try their very best to minimize collateral damage uh there are times and instances where that's just not possible um not through any cause or, or fault of our own but Sometime in, in war, in the fog of war, things happen. But we, the United States is by far the premier military that goes above and beyond to try to minimize any collateral damage because we don't want to have to go in there and, and rebuild the country. We don't want to have to win the, the citizens over again. We try just to minimize that, in, that effect and maximize the effect on the enemy. And then we have situations where the enemy puts the the collateral damage in the way of our airstrikes. They literally move people in and and even uh, women and children into areas that uh, should be bombed. And and yet, uh, you know, we take that into consideration. That's true. Um, We're we've developed a weapon that uh, typically, you know, when we're flying uh, bombing missions in the intruder or some of the other aircraft, they had uh, 500, 1,000, and 2,000 pound weapons. Well, now they, in order to minimize collateral damage, but, you know, make it much more directed at the, the enemy itself, we've developed smaller weapons that we can focus our uh, in, the, the energy of that weapon to a very precise point. So it minimizes damage around the, the target and maximizes the destruction of the target. You know, and as things develop, do you, do you feel or do you see things on the horizon that, you know, this technology even is, is well, it's been 50 years ago, but, uh, you know, in the next 50 years, do you see more sophisticated weaponry coming on the online 
the uh, you know I'm still currently a DOD contractor by trade, and so uh, I'm on my lunch break right now to do this interview. And uh, we work with a lot of the latest technology weapons for all the different branches, and um, what some of the sophisticated weaponry that we have right now is stuff that you would read in a novel that uh, <laughs> have actually come to fruition. And so we've got an extremely uh, well-trained and well-funded, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, and well-equipped military. So there, there's no military out there that's as effective as we are. Now, we work uh, work very well with our NATO allies, and uh, we try to you know work with our enemies, you know, to make sure that we don't have to destroy them because that's not our that's not our first and foremost goal, but it is an option if we, you know, if we have to. But, you know, we, we certainly try to do our very best to um, to get in and get out as quick as possible. If I understood what you were saying right, now this goes back <laughs> a long ways for me, but uh, <laughs> what you're saying or what I understood you to say is some of the, it's sort of like the Dick Tracy talking watch that, is now available and what you're saying is some of the things that we might have read about uh, in a comic book or 20 years ago or in a novel out of somebody's imagination are now developed yes (laughs) and that's really all i can say (laughs) yes okay Uh, well uh let's let's not go down that rabbit hole no 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 i'll I'll just go home and get out my comic books and see what was going on (laughs) now no, I, I, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, from out of dreams come incredible developments. and uh, That's true. Uh, you know, and, and our education system, uh, along with our NATO allies and their, their education and, and uh, industry, has allowed us to create some incredible weapons that do exactly what we were talking about initially was minimize collateral damage and, and maximize the, the uh, pain that we inflict on the enemy. Uh, Whitey, if you don't mind, I'm going to take uh, a quick break and remind everybody that we work very, very closely with uh, organization and uh, a situation, I should say, called the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And it is an outstanding organization, and their site is in the Floyd Building, directly across the street from the capital of Georgia. And uh, it's you go in, you can read the stories of all the heroes that have come from Georgia that have served in the military and in one shape, form, or fashion or the other, and it is you've just you've got to go to it there's a gentleman named colonel rick white retired that's the director and um he has done an outstanding job and uh it it you take your kids you take your grandparents or whoever else and uh make it an all-day trip they have a great cafeteria there and you will be amazed at the number of inductees into the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. So go there, and uh, we'll be back with Whitey right after this message. Hi, this is Rocky Blyer, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. 
I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you at noon on January 28th. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And I'd like to follow up on that uh, ad that we played for the Army. And just the fact that, and I'll see if I can twist uh, Colonel White's arm on this a little bit, but... uh, the military today, if you're graduating from high school or if you're a grandparent listening to the show and you've got a, a grandkid that's uh, graduating or you're graduating from a college and you haven't quite decided what to do, the military is the place to look. No matter what your interest is, one branch or the other of the military can fill your need. And it's uh, turning out to be quite an occupation. And uh, I know I've got uh, my son's a major in the Air Force, and uh, he will career it. And um, it's a great, great opportunity. Unlike any other time in our history, the military is where it should be and offering positions that compete with the civilian side of things and you can find anything that you want to do so please just take the time to check it out you'll be glad you did and it'll be quite a an a rewarding career for you you'll meet people and make friends that you'll have from now on out okay whitey do you remember um one of the things that i told you that i would ask one hardball question when when I did when we did the first interview, do you remember what that question was? Quiet, are you there? David, can yeah. you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you fine. My ear bumped the mute button. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, that's why I couldn't hear you fine. But, yeah, the uh, you, you might have to refresh my memory on, on what that, that question was because I I uh, had. It's been, it's been a few months, and I've, I've forgotten it. My apologies. No problem. Uh, the question is, can you name one veteran that can only tell one story? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, uh, fortunately, um, the military affords us to have so many different experiences. Some are, some are not as great as others, but... Uh, every military veteran I know could could write a book about their time and that they served. And uh, yes, I cannot I cannot answer that question at all. <laughs> well, you know this this is uh, something that we talk about, and I don't mean to be getting off the subject and away from you, but we do encourage. It's so important 
to pass these stories on. If if you have uh, kids or grandkids and you've been in the service, then invite them to sit on your lap and, and tell them about when you were in the service or what you did or what you can tell them. But let them know what it's like to serve in the U.S. military. And it doesn't matter which branch you're in, and it doesn't matter what uh, rank you have or had, but it does matter that they know that you served because you loved your country. And I think this is something that is going to get more and more important is to really animate the love that people that have served have for their country. And, you know, we we need more and more of that. And uh, I hope that the people that listen in either they're listening live or they'll listen to the podcast at some point down the road will take the time with their children or grandchildren and talk about when they were in the service it doesn't have to be any gory details just you know what it was like and oh and i remember i met tom so-and-so and he and i wound up you know we did this we did that and uh you know you wouldn't believe where i was when the bomb went off uh, next to me and and uh the rolls of toilet paper came out quickly. But anyway, uh, you know, there's just all sorts of kinds of stories, and well, they are so well, important. David, for your, for your listeners to piggyback on that a little bit, you know, that we're, we're losing now our, our greatest generation, of, especially the World War II veterans and now the Korean veterans. They, their stories of heroism and and bravery are un, unheralded. I mean, they they were the greatest generation, and a lot of them don't like to talk about it. Like my father, he he did not talk about the day he went on to Normandy Beach, and so uh, but that needs to be passed down through the family so that it's not forgotten. So if I would I would encourage your listeners to maybe take pen to paper and and jot down some notes or talk to a tape recorder or something so that. Their family knows the legacy of of some of the heroes that are in that family. Absolutely. And are, you know, with the technology we have today, you can do a recording very easily. And, uh, but do it. You know, I, I couldn't tell you how many families, and I, and we're, my family's as guilty as any, that, uh, we had a couple of gentlemen that had, uh, sayings that, uh, were just fantastic. And, uh, you know, we'd always say, well, we're going to write them down or we're going to get them to say them or whatever, you know. And uh, we never did. And they're not all gone, but a number of them are lost. And and it's a a very sinking feeling when you realize that not only did they have their stories, but they had their way of telling them. And uh, I've got to take my hat off to... um, Pete Mecca that does a veteran story, and uh, the way Pete tells some of the stories, if if he's just doing one story and doesn't have a guest, is just absolutely fantastic. And I salute Pete for the job that he does on America's Web Radio. And I certainly agree with with uh, you, Whitey, that we got to write them down and pass them on, because uh, unfortunately our history books are not doing as good a job as as when I was growing up, in my opinion, anyway. And uh, 
we have to keep our history and we have to know what it was all about and and those that have walked the shoes walked the walk and talked the talk they're telling the truth and they know what it's like and um I, yes David, i would i would encourage uh the, the members or the listeners that are military veterans or retirees to get involved with uh, some of the veteran service organizations because a lot of us don't don't really like to talk about all the gory details of some of the things we've done to our family, but we can find an, a sympathetic ear and a uh, someone that can understand and relate to what we went through, and sometimes it helps just to just to talk about it. And so. Sure. Uh, I would encourage them to get involved with some of the local organizations and uh, find some people of the same mindset and and uh, develop some strong friendships. You know, uh, if I can add on to that, uh, where where I live, they have a fantastic organization called the Johns Creek Veterans Association, directed by uh, Mike Mazel, and uh, Mike does an outstanding job and. You know, just going there, we, we've had some characters on, uh, one of them is called Submarine Mike. And uh, <laughs> do you know Submarine Mike? I've heard of him. Yeah. I don't know him personally, unfortunately. That's sort of like saying Roger Wise. Who hadn't met Roger Wise? <laughs> exactly. You know, but they, and, and again, you, you hit it on the head. And, and I'm very fortunate that, and I've said this too many times, people get tired of listening to it yes i served but i didn't serve in country uh i was in i was an ng and an ar and uh but i raised my hand and i put my six years in and i i don't accept myself but i've been very fortunate that most all of my guests have accepted me that i did raise my hand and uh, i appreciate that more than than people will ever know and uh, it, for that reason, I can relate because we all do one thing together, and that's go through basic training and AIT or different branches call it different things. But we all we all have that in common at least. But it's uh, you know the the stories are just fantastic, and and whether it's your story or one that you heard about, at some point in time there'll be an appropriate place to tell it. That's and, true. That's true. And, uh, and, and just you know, the families of those military veterans and and retirees, they need, they want to know. I mean, and and I talk to a lot of veterans and different organizations I'm with, and their families welcome that information because they want to know the legacy that their that their name has done to this country, and so they're they're proud. Ninety-nine point nine nine percent of the time, they're very proud of their members, and sometimes it just takes uh, an uh, an ear to bend in order for that person to open up. And with that being said, too, and I'm trying to get more and more of this going. And uh, submarine Mike, as a matter of fact, is uh, going to be helping us with this. But you know, you can't leave your family out. Your family served while you were serving. Maybe in a totally thousand percent different capacity, but the wife or child or whoever you left behind while you were on, while you were deployed, they were serving as well because they were taking up slack that mommy or daddy could have been filling in. And 
they served while you served, and maybe in different ways. But we, we they, they have as, they have as many stories to tell about being there alone as we do of being for deployed. Yes, sir. And uh, so, and that brings me to the point of that there are a lot of veterans that even today don't realize all that's available to them through the VA and through other organizations. And we're going to be starting a show as soon as we can get our act together of veteran benefits and let veterans and their families, because a lot of family members don't have and I don't have any idea what benefits are available for their husband or wife or whoever it might have been that was a veteran, even their kids. And um, so we're going to try to start informing, get it more, get it more, get more information out to people about the benefits that veterans have. And if you've got any uh, questions or if you've got any suggestions, uh, just let us know and. The service officers at many of the organizations that Whitey mentioned, uh, whether it's the uh, American Veterans of Foreign Wars or whatever it happens to be, um, they have members called service officers that will help a veteran's family or a veteran get information about what's available. And uh, we just, we've got to take care of our veterans and... This is one of our pledges at America's Web Radio that we're going to do everything within our power to take care of veterans. And um, we're supporting a, uh, an event coming up. Oh, i got to mention, too, January the 15th, we have veteran, and a lot of people know this, this name, Rocky Blyer, who was a veteran and w- came back after being injured in Vietnam and still receive or won four Super Bowl rings with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And um, Rocky's going to be on as with Lee Greenwood on January the 15th at 10 a.m. So please write that down. And they're, they're helping with an event that's called Warriors for Hope. And that's the group called Warriors to Citizens and Hope is St. Jude's Hospital for Kids and um, they're going to have a major event on January the 28th that we'll be promoting on January the 15th when Lee Greenwood and Rocky Blyer are interviewed on America's Web Radio so please put that down and plan on listening Um, both of those gentlemen are just outstanding and rocky uh, i'm sure you know the story there right whitey i, I do I've, I've read a, uh, a book that was written about him and, and what he did it's a phenomenal story it is and and both of them and rocky and, and lee are both just wonderful gentlemen and totally support all veterans and do any and everything they can and that's uh we ran a rocky blyer in fact i'm gonna run it again right now if you don't mind uh whitey and we'll come back right after this all right hi this is rocky blyer and i hope you'll make plans to join us on january 28th for warriors for hope 
I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. I would also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support. And we'll see you at noon on January 28th. And we welcome everybody to join in on January the 28th. Um, There's, you know, I, I can't put a finger on it really, but would you agree, uh, Whitey, that there's just something about veterans? Well, I can I can pinpoint it for you because, like you mentioned earlier, we're the ones that that swore an oath and raised our hand to defend our Constitution, which means we're defending our country and its citizens against all enemies, foreign or domestic. There's no other organization that that requires you to sacrifice yourself should that be necessary other than the military so people people see that and they respect that commitment that's given by that by that person and they know that they've been trained to to take care and provide and protect just like our law enforcement and first responders they do the same thing every every day you know sometimes in in a much more hazardous situation than than the military guys but working together all of us are uh, very well respected and as in most of the modern times and should be well respected and and treated uh, with reverence because they are the ones that are out there sacrificing to keep us safe and people recognize that and and most people i would say um, are very respectful of uh, the military members as well as the uh, law enforcement and first responders. You know, you took the words all right out of my mouth. No, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, no, you did a great job of, of saying that. And it's it's an amazing thing, too. I don't know if it's, if it's a glow or a smell or a look or what it is, but you can almost... No matter where you are, you can pick out a veteran. That's true. Um, you know, we we have been trained going all the way back to the days of boot camp on how to walk, how to talk, how to dress, how to polish our shoes, how to cut our hair. You know, and and those uh, quite a few times carry over into our civilian world, and so people see that and they understand that that person had made that sacrifice for the greater good of the country and they respect that and so you can always spot a guy because he carries carries himself a little bit straighter and he he's always got that look in his eye that you know he's proud of what he's done so he or she i should say and so uh, you know i think the i think the majority of the citizens of of this world not just our our great country uh truly respect what our military has done and who we are i can't address i can only address the army and uh marines probably but uh 
you can always check the gig line. <laughs> I do every day. <laughs> and only only the listeners that have been there and done that know what a gig line is. And, That's uh, right. So I'll I'll leave it at that, but uh, it, it is one way to tell, and then the uh, obviously the other way is uh, that cap that says I I served on the USS whatever, and um, th- that's a pretty good hint. And, and some of the you know I, I crack up when I hear the, the the gig line. I think back to a story uh, going through boot camp. I was denied the opportunity to go on Liberty because my shoelaces were not one of them was not outboard over inboard and in the marine corps that's a that's a you know you you lose a demerit and so i didn't get to go on liberty that night and you learn very quickly attention to detail and i think that's one of the things that that uh the leadership qualities that that come from military members that we take into the civilian world you know, it's funny that you mention that, and, and I've only recently brought it up a couple of times. But, you know, when I was going through AIT or, or basic in AIT, uh, you'd, you'd stand up and say, why in the world did we do that? You know, just that doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, here it is 50 years later, and I'll think about something I did in basic or AIT and think, okay, I understand why we did it. And the military, our military is so experienced and and they do something in fact I think they do something that no other military in the world does and that's even though they they break you down in the first day or two by by uh, making you all look alike with bald heads. But at the same token, there's a reason for everything, and it comes from years of experience and how do you get the most out of the individual. And I'd say all, all branches of the military do the very best in the world at that, and there's a reason for everything they do, and they've proven it over the years. And it, it goes all the way back to they teach you attention to detail. You, you create a habit pattern, and when I would get into the jet, I would sit down and I would start in a certain position, checking every switch in the jet. And if I got interrupted, I would start back because I created that habit pattern and that attention to detail. And that's what saved myself and my my crewmate several times. So uh, there's a reason for everything that we do. Yes, sir. And uh, this is, again, the reason that I say if... if, uh if you are a high school graduate or are graduating from college and don't know what you're going to do, please take a look at at the military because once you've gone, once you've served, no matter who you're up against for a job when you come out of the military, you've got something on your resume that only 1% of the country ever have, and that's that you served. And... Uh, it's it'll put you in ahead of the line in many many cases and the whether it's learning how to well learning it or whatever it happens to be in the military anybody that's looking at your resume knows that you're the best trained you just can't find it anywhere better and uh, that's my spell for join up and join up today 
it's a, it's a great organization. The military is a great organization. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to make the sacrifices necessary, it's a great way of life. Uh, I, I, my son is uh, he he wants to be a doctor, and he's considering um, going into West Point because it's um, an opportunity for him to be on the the cutting edge of of some of the medical technology and. Uh, you know, whether you're wanting to drive a tank or serve in a submarine or be a sniper, you know, the military offers quite a quite a variety of careers for those that are interested in, in becoming one. Well, the one thing I can say about that, I, once you get out, I don't know what the demand is for snipers on the outside. <laughs> well, you might be surprised. <laughs> well, probably so. I know we, uh, we do a lot of... Uh, contract labor in the military but uh you know it, it's it's just a good way to go and and it's changed so much even in the last uh 40 50 years it's changed a great deal from where there was a time that everybody thought that if you went in the military you're going to be shot at and that's not true today at all and and the wages were not that good but the wages now are more than competitive and um it's just a very good way to go. Okay, so let's get back to, you know, we were talking about, can you tell just one story? Does does a story come to mind, Whitey, about something that happened to you or you were involved in and uh, and probably made a friend out of somebody? Uh, I, again, the, uh, the, the, the memories flood back, and, and uh, the, the, one of the most harrowing, I guess, experiences that I ever had was uh, on Friday the 13th, March 2009, uh, I was flying in a Joint Stars aircraft with the Boeing 707 commercial aircraft, but it's been modified for for the mission that, that we do. And the wing tank, we were over Baghdad refueling off of KC-135, and uh, there were some uh, some popping noises, really, really loud popping noises, kind of like a thirty out six going off. And turned out the uh, the wing tank ruptured and broke all the spars and ribs, and and fuel was leaking out on, uh, right next to the engine number two. And we so we diverted or, or declared an emergency and returned started to return back to uh, the base, not knowing how bad it was, and uh, very very harrowing experience because there's no way to get out of that jet, no ejection seats or parachutes or anything, and the wing was almost dripping the fuel onto a hot engine, so we were very concerned about that, and um, the navigator, uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, John Erickson, call sign Hagar, um, who looked just like Hagar the Horrible from the cartoon character, <laughs> was was one of the, uh, one of the guy, four guys on the flight deck that saved the entire crew of 17 people and it was a a joint mission we had army guys on there we had a marine on there we had air force and national guard folks and so his heroism along with the other guys that are on the flight deck saved us and uh you know there there was a lot of issues that that arose from all of that mentally for some of the guys and gals and um but that's one of the one of the experiences I think back on on how good of a friendship I had, I developed since then with that guy. He's probably uh, my very best friend that I can confide anything into or confide to 
because there are times that you know I, I don't want to talk to a family member because they can't understand some of the mental PTSD that we went through, and he can. And so I would urge everyone that, that has an issue that they don't want to talk to a family member, find a friend that can relate to it through one of these VSOs and uh, and develop that friendship. And I promise they, they'll be there for you every time you need them. And, you know, this is something that, again... Because you've been there, done that. There's no other anything, and I've I've called it the largest fraternity or sorority in the world, and that's the military. And the friendships you make there, uh, you know, carry on for life. And I, I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate. I met a good friend, and we're still friends after 50 years from basic, and. Um, you know, we can kid about some of the shenanigans we pulled at Fort Ord, but uh, we... Es- we that's es- a perfect example. When I went through BASIC, uh, my other best friend that I met in BASIC would not have met him anywhere else. Turned out to be my roommate. He turned out to be best man in my wedding. He's turned out to be one of my best friends of all time. I mean, and that I can call him at any time, and he would do whatever I needed. Yes, sir. Uh, no question asked. That's that's the kind of bond that people that go through those types of experiences develop with each other, and so it's it's good to have that. If you don't, if your listeners don't have that one friend they can call, they need to they need to get involved and find someone that they can develop that friendship with. Couldn't agree with you more. And uh, it's 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 there's another thing that's very amazing that I've, we've related to. Uh, Many, many other veterans that I've talked to and interviewed that uh, I had an experience in AIT that as I'd come back somewhat a little, maybe might have had one too many beers, but came back for Saturday morning, got in my chow line to start AIT. And I'm standing there in at parade rest in chow line, RDs in chow line waiting to uh, go in that Saturday, and this guy walks by, an E6, and he walks by and is looking at our name tags and stuff, and I looked at him, and he took about two more paces and then did an about face that would have cracked your neck, and he was a friend from high school. and he, <laughs> he was a He was a shake and bake, and... Uh, came back and was uh, my platoon sergeant and you know because we were friends uh, there uh, a few things got to rub off you know and and uh, it was a good experience but i couldn't believe that there was danny nowak and i've i don't know how many people i've interviewed that will have a as big as the military is one of two things will happen. Either they will be deployed someplace and run into an old high school or college buddy by chance, or after they've gone through BASIC or AIT and everybody's gone their own way, or I don't know what others call AIT, but in the Army it's AIT, and, and uh, they've gone their own ways, and then all of a sudden they'll show up on the same base and That's run right. into each other. So it's a small community. It is. It is. And it's but it's it's such a rewarding community. You can't you just can't beat it. So, um okay, back to uh that must be I would 
I I would suck it up considerably just thinking about that big tanker in front of me that has I don't know how many gallons of uh, fuel on it and be hitting a little bitty suction thing and getting thousands of gallons of airplane fuel pumped into my plane that each time you did it that had to be a, a little bit of an experience in itself when i was in the uh, the a6 intruder we could take gas obviously but we could also give gas which was usually uh, a, a, most of the time i should say it was a non-event because you know you built your routines and gone through your habit patterns and Hornet or Tomcat comes up, gets her gas, and off they go. But uh, there are a couple of times I, I was flying the, uh, the uh, F-15E Strike Eagle, and we were over northern Iraq and tanking off, uh, or actually we were in Turkey, tanking off a KC-135 before we headed into the uh, northern part of Iraq. And it was just every time that you would top off in that aircraft, you'd have to basically go into afterburners just to stay connected because you were getting so heavy. So it's kind of a, uh, a really uh, unique experience tanking off of uh, another aircraft. And, and they vary from aircraft to aircraft. Just last week I was talking to uh, a guy that was uh, one of the A6 intruder pilots, and we were talking, he was a Marine pilot, and we were talking about tanking off of C-130. And it's just, you know, in that in that situation, you have to drop your flaps and flats to generate as much lift as possible because you have to go so slow to tank off the C-130. But, you know, if you're tanking off a, a, one of the KC series of aircraft, sometimes you have to tap in the afterburner just to stay connected. So it's really uh, a, quite the variety of experiences that you get to go through if you're in the military. And that, I'm just speaking from one person. And one story. That's right. They, uh, well, there's there's a thousand stories that we could all tell. <laughs> no, I, I just uh, I, I, when did when did um, air fueling really start? I would say it was probably in uh, Korea. The uh, some of the early uh, Air Force and and Navy fighters that um, they were just not able to get. Uh, carrying some of the payloads that they had to carry, they just could not take off with as much fuel. Uh, so that once they would get airborne, they would top off and then be able to uh, proceed in for their missions. I'm not sure when the the first tanking took place, but I would imagine it was sometime in that era because they've uh, they've had these aircraft around for quite a while. Wow, I uh, <laughs> and I have all the respect in the world for the pilots that is the tanker pilot my gosh when he takes off he's he's a liquid bomb it, it's amazing uh the techno the, the aircraft that our inventory has that the u.s military has in our inventory um just to just to see uh, a flying fuel tank take off is an incredible experience and, you look at some of the the C five. You know, it looks like it's not even moving when it's taking off. It's so large. It's pretty incredible what our military can do. Oh, it is, and um, I don't think, to my knowledge, uh, any military in the world compares to it. Does it? Well, depending on the aspect that you're talking about, as far as aviation, I think the U.S. military is, is 
uh, well ahead of, of anyone. I think our Navy is is the very best, but, uh, you know, there are some of the, the Soviet submarine technology that's pretty good that's out there, some of the Chinese uh, anti-electronic warfare is pretty good. You know, they're, they're, each country that we face has a different um, item that they're good at, and so we have to be good at everything in order to defeat any enemy that we may see. And that, that's why we practice so hard so that when it comes time to it, it's, it's basically just going through our checklist and it's habit pattern that we've created from exercises such as red flag and green flag and some of the things that the big exercises out at the National Training Center that the Marines and the Army do. I mean, it's, it's an amazing uh, military that we have. Yes, sir, and it... Uh I've never been so, well, I don't want to say never been so, but uh, I was totally blown away when we visited my son in, uh, at Hickam in Hawaii, and uh, there were a number of fighters sitting on the tarmac that uh, were being cannibalized. This was, uh, this was during a, a different uh, political era, uh, but... I couldn't believe that that to get spare parts and keep a few planes flying, they were cannibalizing other airplanes when we're the greatest country in the world, and that should have never happened, and I hope it never happens again. Uh, our military, in my opinion, is the first and foremost that should be funded and um, taken care of, and both the equipment should be taken care of and the people that use the equipment should be taken care of both from the start to the end Agreed. so you know it's um it's one of those things that uh, time will tell but uh, we have to take care of our military and you know it's again we're we're the only country in the world that has the biggest and the best and i don't know of many countries that could could take us if we if we decided to go after them but we've never we've never claimed anything and we've always given the land back and i think it was um i can't remember who it was but all we want uh, it was during i guess world war ii i guess that the uh general said all we want is a place to bury our people we don't want to take your property or take your country or anything else all we want is a place to bury our servicemen and women so that's the kind of country we are and that's i think hopefully that's why the world has the most respect for the united states we've never attacked a country that i know of to take their land agreed well sir um I'm the one that has to agree with you since since you you got pay and rank on me way over my my little uh, E5 but um you know I I want to thank you for coming on again and as always will you do it again David you know I'm always available for you uh my my bosses have allowed me the flexibility to uh you know take take the time to do these anytime that, that you're in uh, need someone i love talking about the military especially 
the young enlisted guys that would work on the jets to they would give us a perfect jet and we'd go out and break it come back <laughs> they'd fix it all again i mean i, I can't talk enough about uh, my chief uh the, the people i served with the, the aircraft i got to fortunate enough to to be part of i mean it was it was an amazing 20 plus years for me and i love talking about it so anytime you need a guest um Please let me know. I'd love to come back. You know, you brought up one thing that I, when I was in, there was total segregation between enlisted and officers. I mean, total segregation. And, uh, in fact, you could get in trouble. But that's all changed. And how do you feel about that? Well, depending on the on the service, there there's still a... Uh, penalty for fraternization, and that's taking an officer and enlisted relationship beyond professional. And so, while while there are a lot of interactions between the two, you know, there still has to be some separation because the officers are the ones that you know hold have to hold the uh, the troops accountable. They have to do the paperwork when something bad goes wrong, and they do the paperwork when something good is, is able to be given. So. You can't have that close personal relationship like you do with a fellow officer, in my case, or enlisted, but you can still have that mutual respect, and, and you earn that. In, in the situation I was in, I earned it with my chief and my, my shop because I got out there and I turned wrenches with them. I, you know, I worked on the aircraft, and which in turn helped me learn the aircraft even better so that you know if there was a situation where I didn't have a, a maintenance guide, sometimes I'd be able to fix it myself. So while, while we have that, that great relationship between officer and enlisted, there, there is some uh, segregation that still has to go on because of the roles and responsibilities that each have. And, and that's why I called you sir. Well, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> retired now, so as, as we all are, and, and out here we're all brothers in arms. Yes, sir. Well, with that being said, I want to thank you again for coming on today and look forward to the next time that we can visit and be together on the radio. And uh, one of these days we're going to get you to come on down. Well, I, I hope the, the next trip I'll be able to visit in, in studio. And, again, I'd like to uh, thank the uh, Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame for uh, coordinating us to uh, to be able to do this and uh, appreciate your time for allowing me to about a few experiences oh well we love the stories and uh now they'll some of them I, I can't imagine what you were feeling when you saw those saw the after the the uh, tank had exploded that, that that's uh that's an hour-long story in itself <laughs> well one of these days we'll just have to go through it i just i just <laughs> can't imagine what was going through you know your mind and uh I haven't been there. I haven't done that, so there's no way I could even come close to thinking about what was going on. But we do appreciate it and uh, appreciate your service, sir. And uh, look forward to maybe someday we'll just have a standing military that doesn't have to go to war. And uh, that would be the let's, greatest let's pray, thing going. Pray for those days. Yes, sir. Take care and uh, hope you have a good weekend. And we'll talk to you soon. The pleasure was mine, David. Thank Enjoyed you, sir. Enjoyed it, and I'll talk to you soon, sir. Thank you, sir. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.